thanks. All righty. Good morning. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Oh, man, years ago I, I took the platform in a big old uh, auditorium and I screamed, you know, there's nobody like Jesus. That's what I said. And guess what the Holy Spirit said? Yes, and that's such a shame. Whoa. See, it's the plan, the purpose, the plot of God to make us all just like Jesus. Now, who's Jesus just like? Colossians 1.15 says he is the express image of the invisible God. What does invisible mean? Can't see it. You can't see God till you see him in Jesus. I mean, listen, Jesus is the only way. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other. There's none other name given among men whereby you must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes with the Father but by me. So that means all the Muslims are going to hell. All the Hindus. See, the harvest is bigger than we think. You understand that? See, there's, there's this uh, thing going on now. Well, now everybody is, you know, we're all striving to go to the same place. I'm not going where Hindus going. I'm not going where Muslims going. I'm going to heaven. But see, we got to understand there's only one way. If we compromise on that, we might as well close the doors. You know, I know Oprah and all these other guys, they say, now, you know, you mean to, I, I said just what I said a while ago, and a guy raised his hand in a meeting. And he says, brother, it seems to me you're inferring that all these other religions are lost. I said, no, I'm not inferring it, I'm declaring it. Yeah. <laughs> See, and if you and I don't stand up for the truth, we'll fall into all this error. Yeah. You understand that? Now, we got, here's our problem, I think. I think we're so concerned about being politically correct, we forgot to be biblically accurate. Don't you think? Well, a man-pleasing spirit does that to you. It demasculates you. It just causes you to be kind of uh, really afraid of people. And, well, you know, I, I don't want to be offensive. I tell you, the most dogmatic person ever lived on the planet was Jesus. He's either a maniac or he's who he says he is. You can't make the declarations he made and not back it up. Isn't that, isn't that something? I mean, when he said, he, he told him, I am is here. Boy, the Jews go, let's kill this guy. You, see, Jesus does not have an identity problem. That's what we have. We, we, don't, we, we can't grasp who God says that we are. He says we're victorious. He says we're, we're, we can't be defeated. He said we're above only and not beneath. Wow. I, here, I, I said, Lord, what do you mean to talk about today? He said, I want you to talk about this morning getting rid of stinking thinking. As a person thinks in his heart, that's how he's going to be. If you think you're defeated, you'll be defeated. If you think you're victorious, you'll be victorious. As a person thinks in his heart, that's how he is. Daniel 7, 24 and 25 says, The evil one wants to wear out the saints of God by accusing God. The evil forces wants to wear out the saints of God by accusing God. Daniel 7. But it says this. It says God is going to show his people who, they really, who he really, really is. And if we'll know who he is, we'll understand who we are. Don't you want to know? I dare you to call yourself Christians. That means the Christ-like ones. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that something? Aren't you glad Christianity is not a religion? Did you read the Bible? God don't even like religion. I dare you to read Isaiah chapter 1 and come back tonight and show me God likes religion. Did you ever read Isaiah chapter 1? It says, away with your new moons and your Sabbaths and your holy convocations. They weary me. 
In Isaiah 1, he said, I pour the sizzling of your fat. Like God needs us to throw him a barbecue, a burnt offering. Now, he set up all those rituals, all those feasts, all those festivals to point to relationship. But when we junk the relationship and hang on to the festival, we've got religion. Every woe, say every woe. Every woe out of the lips of Jesus Christ came to the self-righteous Pharisee. Wow. Have you ever, you know one of the most filthy things in the eyes of God, guess what it is? Boredom, no. Self-righteousness. All of our self-righteousness is but a filthy rag. Wow, wow, wow. God has some pretty, pretty strong things to say to us. See, here's the deal now. If you go to the doctor with a broke arm and he says your ear's all right, you better get another doctor. I don't suppose the church can survive much longer with misdiagnosis, do you? One of the things we've got to do is overcome our self-imposed amnesia. Now, what happens if a person has amnesia? Anybody know? They don't know who they are. They don't know where they are. They don't know what they're doing. This is self-imposed amnesia. The church thinks, well, if I don't you know, really know, then I'm not responsible. No, we are responsible. Do you understand we're supposed to be running this whole earth? God's not schizophrenic. He's not up there with a whole plethora of plans. If you want to find the plan of God, Genesis 1.26. I talk fast, don't I? <laughs> yeah, Genesis 1.26. It says, let us make man in our own image and let's give them kingdom authority. God has not, he's not vacillated from that one iota. He's looking for somebody to give the kingdom to. Yeah. Psalms 110 verse 3 says, in the day of his power, that's now his people, that's us, will volunteer freely. If God's looking for somebody to give the kingdom to, we ought to go, hey, God, here we are right here in Zion. We're, we're right here. That's what it says in Second uh, Chronicles 16, 9. Yes, it is. It said, the eyes of the Lord are roving to and fro throughout the whole earth. What's he scouring the earth about? He's looking for people whose heart is that right towards him. One of the Hebrew words says he's looking for people who have no plots, no plans, no agendas, but his. He says when he finds them, he'll fully support all they put their hands to do. Don't you want God to bless the works of your hands? That's Psalms 90, verse 16 and 17. Oh, Lord, let your works appear and establish thou the works of our hands. Yes, God, the works of our hands establish thou it and let your glorious majesty be seen by our children. Don't you understand you and I are forging the future our children will live in? I'm ringing a little. This little voice of mine. I'm going to let it. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody doing good. I was looking at uh, Psalms 118, verse 24. It says, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I don't hang around sour, cynical saints. You won't have to hang around them long. They won't be here. Bad attitudes bring diseases. That's true. But a merry heart does good like a... Uh, the joy of the Lord's are... Yeah. We ought to be happy. You go, oh, brother, oh, brother, brother, you don't know what I'm going through. Now, that's true. I don't know what you're going through, but I know this. You'll go through it. He, he won't abandon you in the middle of your mess. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When you come through the water, through the flood, he'll bring you to a wealthy place, a place of his provision. It is good to see Rod and Bridget. God bless you guys. Bridget used to cut my hair. Oh, my goodness. Sat out on the back porch and cut my hair. Yeah, boy, we, we've had some wild times. Yeah, that's, that's right. I don't like just living in the safe zone. 
Don't you want to take some risk? Yeah. I don't know where we got this thing. Well, you know, uh, I don't want to expect too much. Well, Jesus told me one time, said, I give you my personal permission to attempt to exaggerate what I'm about to do. That's what he told me. Jesus Christ walked right up to me and said, Bobby, I give you my personal permission to attempt to exaggerate what I'm about to do. I said to him, being a preacher, I'll need a verse for that. He said to me, being God, no problem. <laughs> Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 says, Now to him, God, that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or dare to imagine. He told me, he said, Tell the body of Christ to accept no imitation so they can expect no limitation. What's an imitation? Fake, false, phony. Leave that alone. Take the genuine and the sky's the limit. If we'll accept no imitation, he'll take the lids off and we can have no limitation. I don't want to fake, do you? How do we know what's genuine? We have the template of the Word of God. That's why my people are destroyed for what? Hosea says, a lack of knowledge. Oh, we've got to study to show ourselves approved. We've got to get back into the Word, haven't we? I know that I'm preaching to the choir because this is a Saturday morning and you're in a service. But listen, we, my people, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. This is Christopher Martin. Christopher, stand up. Christopher has been working with us for 10 years. He runs the, listen, he's the guy that does our, our scheduling. And I work him, boy, because here's what the deal is. Uh, you know, I never keep all my calendar in my head. And people come, can you come? Uh, and I'll go, yeah, yeah, y'all be there. You know, and then Christopher will say, which one of these four do you want? You know, so I'm always triple booking and double booking, double booking, triple. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? But he, uh, he <laughs> then he, he runs the IT thing. Oh, Lord. See, I'm afraid to front a button up. Print, punch a button, I'm afraid we'll launch a satellite or drop, you know, drop the missiles or something like that. So uh, one time, you know, I was going to uh, take over some of my own social media and I opened the back door and gave everybody in the earth our information. You know, it took him months to clean that up. He said, he said, please try not to do that again, you know. But media's the way to reach people now. It's crazy. We do a thing called Bobby's Briefings, and uh, oh, Lord, people watch it from all over the world. It's the craziest thing. Uh, YouTube said they've got 23,800 videos of me on YouTube, 23,800. I've never put a single one myself, they're, but they're there, the good, bad, and the ugly. If you, if you want to Google something, it said Bobby Connor saw my esophagus. That's when I'm dealing with them, some witches and a warlock over there in uh, London. It's pretty wild. It, you, it's, it, I, I like stuff though. That's the way to reach people is just talk to them about the things of God. And so I believe we ought to use the media to reach as many people as we can. Let me talk to you a little bit about the book table. If you're real prophetic, you can find it. I think it's, you know, it's, it's I'll tell you what, uh, the Lord told me, said, I want you to write books. I said, okay, here's one we write. We've been doing it. This is the 24th year. For 24 years on the Day of Atonement, we've had a visitation from Jesus Christ. He'd come tell me some of the things that are going to happen in the future. We're writing a book called The Shepherd's Rod. This is one for 2019. Bob Jones, he's in heaven watching this meeting right now. And uh, he did them decades before I did. He's the one that got me into it. He came to me once. He said, Lord, why don't you do The Shepherd's Rod? And I said, no, Bob, I'm not going to do that. Wow. But I didn't get to tell him why I wasn't going to do that. Uh, because uh, I was going to tell him, no, I didn't want to copycat what somebody else was doing. I didn't want to polyparrot what somebody else was doing. So Bob Jones is standing there and said, Lord, don't you do the shepherd's rod? I said, no, Bob, I'm not going to do that. And they didn't let me explain why I wasn't going to do it. And he goes, well, he wants you to. And rubbed his hands like that and walked off just like that. <laughs> 
And so I'm standing there thinking, oh, Lord, I didn't handle that very well. And then Jesus appears about where the pulpit is, and he says, I want you to do the shepherd's job. And I said, no, Lord, because I don't get revelation like that. When I said I don't get revelation like that, he jerked me up off the earth, carried me to some big round sphere in the heavens, and there were thousands of big old screens like this and tens of thousands above me, beneath me, behind me, beside me, and every one of them playing a different sequel. When I'd focus on one of them, I'd know everything that was going to happen, every minute detail about it. I'm thrown back down to earth. There's Jesus. He almost laughed at me and said, see, no problem for me to give you revelation. So from that time on, we've been doing the shepherd's rod. And so uh, this one right here, this is a, this is, this, you'll, if you get it and read it, you'll find out God does a new thing. See, this is the first time ever in those 24 years that he appeared to me and gave me the theme and the thrust before the time of the shepherd's rod. This, this is on February the 9th. I have a visitation from Jesus. He said, I'm going to give you the theme and the thrust for the shepherd's rod. I said, Lord, it's not till the fall. And I, I said, why? He said, because I want you to feel the pain I felt in my heart by being abandoned by my people. So this, this shepherd's rod, we're going to find out something. We're going to be able to behold the Lord in a dimension we've not seen him in our whole life. And it's going to break our heart. Remember Isaiah chapter 6? I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and what did he do? Hey, dude! He said, I'm undone. I'm wrecked. I'm ruined. Remember that? And that's what's going to happen to us. We're going to see the Lord in his majesty in a dimension we've not seen before. It's going to break our heart, and we're going to cry bitter tears, bitter tears of anguish over how we've neglected to give him the glory due his name, and then he's going to turn the whole thing around. And he's going to let us have another opportunity to give him the glory that's due his name. And boy, then we're going to cry great tears of jubilation and joy. I'm telling you guys, uh, this, this thing of thinking we know all there is to know about God, we don't, I, the more I get to know him, the more I realize we barely know him. But I hope you'll get, I hope you'll get this thing because we talk about oh, another thing that's going to happen this year. This year is a year that you can command the devil to pay back sevenfold everything he's stolen from you. He said, the Lord said, this is going to be a time of a seven-fold payback. Remember, it says, if you catch a thief, you can command him to do what? Pay back sevenfold. So I don't know about you, but uh, you ought to start claiming that. Say, well, anyway, that's the shepherd's rod book. Then uh, here's one. Here's the angel book. The Lord said, oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah we've got a school coming up. Uh, Christopher said, tell them about the school. This, this October, October the 31st, there in Moravian Falls, North Carolina, we're going to do a school. We're going to take all of these shepherd's rods for the 24 years, and we're going to combine them together and show you all these uh, 24 years of prophesying the future. We, we show you in 1990, uh, 1998, he had a visitation where it says, America will suffer terrorism. 1998, that was like talking a, a whole other language, wasn't it? And so we're going, we'll go all the way back and we'll show you. We're going to look in the, we're going to examine the past so that we can find out God will give us faith for the future. See, God's not going to do a single thing on the planet without first telling somebody about it, the prophets. That's what it says. Amos 3, 7 says, surely the Lord will do nothing, but he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. And so if you're going to get a new thing, Isaiah 48, verse 6 says, he tells the new things to the prophets. Isaiah 48, verse 6 and 7. Behold, I do a new thing. It's new now, not prior to now. So nobody could be blah saying, I already knew that. This new thing that's kept in reserve is brought into being by the prophetic word. Remember that? Isaiah 48, verse 6 and 7. Y'all got that? Have you hit a golf ball lately? Huh? You have? I hadn't, but, uh, you know, I'd like to, you know. I, I used to play golf. I, I like golf. 
Thank God I took it up after I got saved. They told me to take it up. They told me to take it up to relax. Oh man, it's not very relaxing for me. I've never got into anything to lose. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's pretty wild. I'm, August the 31st, I've got to get back to that. And because Christopher's going, tell him about this thing. August the 31st in Moravian Falls, North Carolina, we're going to do this whole school on the Shepherd's Rod, the 24 years of it. But we'll do an open Friday night service. This is in Moravian Falls, North Carolina, at the Gathering Church. Bob Jones is buried just down the hill from there. Uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful place, a very mystic kind of place. And so uh, David White's a pastor. And so we'll do a Friday night open service. We'll do all day school Saturday. And then I'll minister Sunday morning. And then it'll be a great time. So try to come if you can, okay? Uh, it's on the webpage. Look on the webpage. Uh, our Christopher could tell you. Any other information they need to know about it? That'll be good. We'll, we'll have fun. And then here's a book about angels. God said, I want you to write a book about the faithful and the fallen. So we write a book about angels. They're mentioned 273 times in the Bible. Most of it in this room would be dead or mangled if it hadn't been for the intervention of an angel. Psalms 91:11 says his angels encamp around about us. Psalms 104 verse 4 said they're winds of fire. The Bible said they're ministering spirits sent down here to aid us who are the heirs of salvation. Most of us have seen angels and didn't even recognize them. Yes, I said most of us have seen angels and didn't even recognize them. You want to be able to see angels? Start praying 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16 and 17. That's the prayer of the prophet prayed, O Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Remember that name, he saw the whole heavens filled with angels. You doing okay? Will you read this book if I give it to you? Okay, you can sure have it. It talks about angels. They watch over us. They build a perimeter around us like Marines would. Isn't that amazing? They're a lot stronger than us. They're a lot more righteous than us, but they're under us. They cannot understand how God offers us daily grace. Those that fail never got one opportunity for grace. And here every day God offers us grace. It says when we get saved, they peer into it. The word peer, they, may, they look with wonder at how could God continue to offer this fallen race grace. Aren't you glad Lamentation 3 said God's mercies are what? You every morning, great is his faithfulness. All right. How you doing? Yes, ma'am. Well, you're better. You're doing better than you think. You're going to start seeing where you're really at. You really are in heaven. Ephesians chapter one says we're seated in heavenly places. All right. So if you'll start looking at things from there instead of here, it'll look a lot better. The Bible said if you look out, your heart will fail you. If you look up, you'll have everlasting peace. Isaiah twenty six three that will keep him in what? See, one of, the most, one of the most selling drugs in America deals with anxiety. Here's what the Lord told me about anxiety. You ready? He said, you cannot medicate anxiety. You have to repent of it. Be anxious for nothing. You shouldn't have to take a pill to... Isaiah 26, 3, that will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed upon me? Trust in the Lord Jehovah, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting, never failing strength. You sh I'm telling you, I remember when I told you here, what was it, six years ago, whatever it was, I said the biggest drug pushers in America was pharmaceutical companies. Has that come to pass? Well, sure it is. Guys, we, we got to realize God wants us to take over this planet. Here's your verse. Y'all ready for some verses? Here's your nice verse. 
I quote this a lot of places. Psalms 115 verse, uh, Psalms 115 verse 14 and 15. Everybody loves this one. Psalms 115, verse 14 and 15. May the Lord increase you more and more, you and your entire family. May you be blessed of the God that made the heavens and the earth. You go, yeah, bring it on, brother. Yeah. But I didn't quote Psalms 115, verse 16. Psalms 115, verse 16 said, The heavens of heavens, that belongs to God, but this earth is your responsibility. Wow. See, I told you he's not vacillated from Genesis 126. Let's create man, let's give him control of the earth. So Psalms 115 verse 16 said, The heavens of heavens, that belongs to God, but this earth is your responsibility. It's in our hands. Could we just talk just a moment? Let's talk just a moment. 2017, according to the statistics, America spent what? $306 billion on calamities. $306 billion on earthquakes, fires, tornadoes, etc. What does the insurance company call those? Act of God. Wow. 2017, $306 billion. That's almost a billion dollars a day, correct? So something's wrong. You would have to say America's under curse, wouldn't you think? Wonder what curse we're under. Isaiah 520 is a good one to start. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe unto the nation finds it easy to call good evil and evil good. Are we there? Yeah. Isaiah 5.20, Woe unto the nation that finds it easy to call good evil and evil good. Yeah. Uh, did New York really applaud uh, abortion? Yeah. Lit up the city, didn't they? Over murdering babies. That's on our watch. Wow. Wonder, wonder what's caused us to spend almost a billion dollars a day on calamities. I could show it to you in the Bible. Would you like to see how to reverse that right from the Bible? How to live a quiet, peaceable, undisturbed life? How many of you would like that? A nice, peaceful, quiet, undisturbed life? Now, are you sure? Are you sure? There's a pattern and a process for it in the Bible. Now, apparently we're not. We're, we're, we're spending lots of money on calamities. Is that correct? Floods, fires, earthquakes? Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, you say, you mean there's a remedy for it? Oh, there's not ever a curse causeless. There's always a remedy. You want to see it? Y'all ready? Okay, I'll turn and look at it in the Bible so you won't think it's just my opinion. Okay? All right, here we go. I'm taking the Bible. You know what they accused me of once? They, I, they're just some ambiguous crowd out there. They said, you know that Connor, he don't even use the Bible. That's what they said, because I don't stand up and say, ladies and gentlemen, please take your Bible and turn with me, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Now, the, the process we're looking for is how to stop the calamities and how to start living a quiet and peaceable life. You ready? I'm reading straight from the Bible. I read, now, when I, quote, when I preach, I use every version I can find. When I study the Bible, I study in every English translation I can find in the earth. And then when I read publicly, I read out the Amplified Classic Version. Don't get the Amplified they made in 2015. It's not, well, it's not near as good as this one. Get the Amplified Classic. You'll have to look for it, but it, get that one, okay? Don't lie to me, I'm prophetic. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right, you ready? How to stop and how to live a quiet, peaceful life. Uh, all the hands went up and said they wanted it. See, here it is. First of all, then... 
I admonish and urge that petitions, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be offered on behalf of all men. Verse 2, for kings and all who are in positions of authority are high responsibility. Woo. That outwardly we may pass a quiet and undisturbed life, and inwardly a peaceable one in all godliness and reverence and seriousness in every way. For such praying is good, and it is, and it is pleasing and acceptable to God our Savior, who wishes all men to be saved. But wait a minute. Who are we supposed to be praying for? Hmm? We're supposed to be praying for kings and all who are in positions of authority and high responsibility. What is the highest office of responsibility in America? President. That's why we're under a curse. Our modern-day media should be tried for treason. Our modern-day media should be tried for treason. Look at the word treason, an attempted overthrow of a setting government. Wow, they're way past satire. Uh, you understand that? I'm telling you guys, we're in trouble. We're in trouble because of this verse right here. But you say, well, I, 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 don't, I don't care whether you agree with him or not. You're obligated as a Christian to pray for him. If you want to live a quiet, peaceful, undisturbed life. What do you think? I thank God for Donald Trump. Now, it's the strangest thing. Uh, I tell people, I said, if you want to do something good, go to the card company, buy a little thank you card, and send the president a verse, pray over it, get him a verse from heaven, write it in there, and mail him the card. And I promise you he'll get it. So guess what happened? My little granddaughter, only, we, we've got five grandchildren. We've got one little girl. Her name's Katie. She's just turned 10. And uh, here's what she told me. She said, I am so sad that everybody's talking bad about our president. I said to her, Katie, you should get a card. You should uh, write it out in your own handwriting. Send it to the president. Give him a verse that God gives you. So she did on my phone over there, wherever it's at. It's in my briefcase over there. Guess who sent her a letter? Donald Trump sent her a letter. She's 10 years old. It's the sweetest letter you've signed in his own handwriting. It says, Dear Katie, you will never know how your words have encouraged me. A 10-year-old little girl. See, she's already learned a principle that you and I need to learn. That we've got to pray for those that are in places of high authority. See, truly a child will lead us, don't you think? Boy, I'm telling you, it, it, we're in a mess, aren't we? A house divided can't do what? Stand. See, the devil knows that. So he's busy chipping away at foundation. One of the biggest things the devil's doing right now in the body of Christ is causing us to doubt. Doubt. Let me tell you about doubt. Doubt's deadly. It's a womb that gives birth to unbelief. Doubt. Wow. Yeah. How does doubt work? Same way it's always worked. The devil never changes his method of operation. What did he say to Adam? Hath God said? He still says the same thing to you. Well, does the Bible really mean that? Hath God said, and the reason he doesn't want you to do this, he's not a good God. God is good, isn't he? Y'all have favorite verses? One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible right now is in the middle of a, a pretty tough part of Scripture. It's Nahum 1.7. Nahum 1.7 says, God is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those that are trusting him. I'm so glad it didn't say God was good or he's going to be good. He is good. I'm telling you, he's good. I want you to start seeing him as good. His thoughts towards you are good. 
You know, see, the devil will say something like this to you. Well, you're so insignificant, so minuscule, till the Lord doesn't even think about you. That's wrong. Jeremiah 29, 11, God said, I know my thoughts. I think towards you, declares the Lord. Thoughts of your success, not your failure. My intention is to bring you to a good end, not a dismal demise. So God thinks about us. What does he think about us? Psalms 139. Psalms 139, verse 17 and 18 says, God's thoughts towards us are weighty and precious. Look at the word weighty, kebab, same word for glorious. God's thoughts towards us are glorious. Next verse says in verse uh, uh, 118, these glorious thoughts God has towards us are more numerous than the sands on the seashore. Wow. What does that mean? It means God thinks glorious thoughts about you continually. Yeah. I, see, we're trying to get rid of stinking thinking. You see, under, you understand that? And uh, we, we've got to figure out what God thinks about us. He thought enough about you to send the Lord Jesus Christ to redeem us and save us. We're not redeemed with corruptible things such as gold and silver, but with the what? Precious blood of Christ. I dare you to look up the Greek word precious. You and I don't even have a word for it. It means incalculable. What does that mean? So valuable, you can't put a value on it. The blood of Jesus. And see, some people will get, I've even had them to say, you know, he's never done nothing for me. Well, he saved you. Took you out of death and darkness and put you in love and light. Colossians 1.13, he transfers us out. Colossians 1.13, out of death and darkness into the family of life and love and liberation. He's done something for you, hasn't he? Well, see, God continually bestows good things on us. Just to be honest, it says every good and perfect gift comes where? From God, from the Father of lights, in whom there's no what? Fickleness. Have you ever seen ups and downs? I'm glad God's not trendy. He's constant, isn't he? There's no variableness or shadow of turning in him. He's constant. Now, society twists and turns, but not God. Aren't you glad he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Oh, man, we got to get that in us. See, God does today exactly what he did back then, but he's just looking for people he can trust to do it. Have you ever read a verse that tore you up, messed you up? Uh, here, here's one. You ready? Well, the one I just read to you uh, shook some of you up. And I'll tell you what. I don't know how anybody in their right mind can vote for people that murder babies. Do you? I don't. Do you? God will hold us accountable one of these days. We'll stand before Almighty God if we're believers for anybody that would vote for something like that. That's murder. Well, you know. And, you know, this, you know here's old Bernie Sanders, communist. How, how does, look, look how socialism works. Venezuela, is it doing good? Cuba, is it striking the It never works. Well, you know, I'm entitled. No. The Bible said if you don't work, you don't eat. Well, anyway. Well, you know, I want somebody to pay for my education. Well, get in here and get an education. <laughs> Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 said, if you'll memorize this book, you'll do well. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says, the words of this book shall not depart from your eyes. You shall meditate upon them day and night, and they will guarantee you overwhelming success. Yeah, if you want to be a, fall, a fake and a fall, failure, just stay out of this book. But you let this book get in you and you get in this book, it'll lighten your way. 
What in it? Psalms 36? Yes, it is. Psalms 36, verse, uh, it says, in his light we'll see light. Yeah, I like light. You quoted the verse. You prayed the Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. I pray the eyes of your heart will be flooded with revelatory light. You believe you can see further with these eyes than these? Yes, you can. How far can you see? Well, apparently Moses could see a long way. It says in your Bible, Moses! I'm screaming, screaming. Moses saw the sufferings of Christ and deemed that far more valuable than all the riches of Egypt. Have you studied the timelines in the Bible? Moses saw the sufferings of Christ. Wow. I bet you wonder how that happened, don't you think? Remember when Moses said to God, oh God, show me your glory. And God said, there is a place by me in the cleft of the rock. And he caused his goodness to pass by. And covered him. And all Moses saw was what? The backside. I'll tell you what he saw. He saw the beaten, smitten back of Jesus Christ. He saw the sufferings of Christ and deemed that far more valuable than all the opulence of Egypt. Wow. Wow. We'll learn something if we'll just listen. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Got a lot of stuff in here. I want to show you a verse that messed me up. You ready? Yes, Bobby. Here we go. I'm headed over here to Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. One translation, I'll just I'll read out this one, then I'll, I'll, read, I'll quote it out some others. Not in our own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and the desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Now, I was reading that one day. Wow. Here's here's how it's really written. Wow. Why it is God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Stop, Stop just for a moment. What can the creature do that'll bring the creator good pleasure, satisfaction, and delight? That's what that verse says. It's God that works in you both to will and to do of God's good pleasure, satisfaction, and delight. Whatever that is, that has to be our number one goal. Don't you think? To bring Father God pleasure, satisfaction, and delight. Don't you want to do that? So I started scouring the Bible. What could the creature do to bring the creator good pleasure? And I stumbled across Luke 12, 32. It's in the red part of the Bible. Jesus talking. Here's what he says, Luke 12, 32. Oh, shuddering, shivering, fearful little flock, do not be so timid. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Back to Genesis 1, 26. I told you God has no plan but the original plan. His original intent is still active today. He's looking for people he can give the kingdom to. It thrills him, delights him. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, do you want to take it? The Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffered violent, and the violent do what? Seize it by force. Not bombs and bullets. That's ISIS way. Our way is prayer, fasting, and holy living. You can't get the kingdom with an impure heart. We really, we can't, we can't do it. Who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? He that has what? Psalms 24, 3 and 4, clean hands and pure heart. Did you know there's something better than ascending to the hill of the Lord? What? What could be better than what could be better than ascending to the hill of the Lord? Oh, Psalms 
15 verse 1, who may abide in his holy hill. One is visitation, the other is habitation. The church has been settling for visitation when God wants us to move into habitation. Ephesians 2 said we're a house built to be dwelled by God, a holy habitation. Don't you know, I want him to be at home here, don't you? Say yes, yes. We ought to be so full of heaven, you know, that uh, we already know what it's like. That's one thing about heaven. Wow. Uh, I've been preaching this year 50 years. I've averaged speaking five times a week for 50 years. Now look out. I can hear you. Some of you going, well, you ought to be better at it by now. (laughs) So I was trying to thank the Lord for for all that we've got to see during these 50 years. And guess what he said to me in the most blusterous tone. You ain't seen nothing yet. Then he gave me a verse. A verse that says, all that we have seen up until now. I'm talking about the whole world. All that creation has seen up until now is but the mere fringes of his force. The outskirts of his doings. All that we've heard up until now, the Bible says, is but the faintest whisper of his voice. Wow. That's in the Bible. We ain't seen nothing yet. God's about to unfurl and we're going to see him in his majesty like we've never experienced before. See, that's what, that's what the angels are still up there going, holy! See, because every millimoment of eternity, God's going to be unfurling more of who he is. Do y'all remember the Chevy Chase movie? Uh, you know, where they, uh, they was going on a trip? Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the uh, Lampoon Vacation. You remember they had this arduous trip trying to get, I guess, to look at the Grand Canyon, remember? And they finally get there, dead ain't Edna and all that. They all get, they finally get there and he runs up and goes, yep, 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 and jumps back in the station wagon. That ain't how heaven's going to be. We're not going to get there and go, "Mm -hmm, yeah, just, you know. All throughout eternity, endless eons of eternities, God will be unfurling more of who he is. No wonder those angels go, holy yeah, but see, we've got to start seeing him as he is. Here's a great verse. Well, it's all great, I think. Yeah. <laughs> all scripture is given by God breath, God's breath, inspiration, and it's profitable. Here, here's one, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. As we behold him with an unveiled face, we're changed from one dimension of glory to the next. Wow. See, my hand could be like a veil as we behold him with an unveiled face. See, my hand could be a veil. I can see you, but not very distinctly. A veil's in the way as we behold him with an unveiled face. Now, it's going to stun you when you find out what veil is over the church where we can't see Jesus like we need to see him. Guess what it is? You want to know? Tradition. It's the only thing in the Bible more powerful than the Bible. Teaching for commandments the traditions of men and making the word of God of none effect. Wow. Wow, traditions. I'll tell you how you're going to find a tradition. When somebody says, yeah, now I know the Bible says that, but you're about to hear a tradition. We better get into the word of God so all the veils will be removed and we can see him as he is. See, I think we'll become what we behold, don't you think? Boy, there's some verses. Woo! Goodness gracious. I preached a message not long ago on who you're wearing. You remember the, uh, at the red carpets there in Hollywood? 
If you at the red carpet, y'all have seen those things on TV. There'll be some chick in some slick gown and some little reporter will whisk up there and go, who you wearing? And they'll come out with some, you know, name. I believe God Almighty is saying to the church, who you wearing? Yes. See, the Bible said, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Clothe yourself with him. But he won't come on a dirty vessel. Ecclesiastes says, make sure your head lacks no ointment and your garments are always white. It's an absolute essential, purity is. Do you believe that? It's essential. Now, we don't hear very many, in a super seeker friendly church, you don't hear very many messages about judgment, do you? Uh, you better read Hebrews again. I was reading Hebrews, it said, it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. Did you read the book of Hebrews? The book of Hebrews was written to show that we have the best covenant of any people. And it said it's a fearful thing. It said if we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of sin, there remains no more sacrifice of that sin but a fearful looking, a fiery indignation that will devour the adversary. <sighs> Let me just tell you, I've been preaching a long time. I've studied the Bible quite a bit. Now, the only way I've found in the Bible that you can be absolutely sure you're a Christian there's only one way I've really found. You want to know it? Well, I know I am because I got gifts. Yeah, you don't have any as good as Judas had. He had part and lot in the ministry. What does that mean? It means he did the same thing God's children did. But he was a, a devil. That's what Jesus said about him. He's in hell while I'm talking. So gifts are not it. Well, I've been sprinkled, christened, converted. That's not it. As far as I can ascertain, the only acid test that's fail-safe is this. You can't get by with sinning. God judges you in your sin. If ye be without chastisement, you're illegitimate, the book of Hebrews says. It says you have no birth papers. So I know people that have bragged about being a believer and can get by living in adultery. No. See, they're, they're blinded. Yeah. If you can habitually sin and not be chastened and corrected by God, it's absolute proof you're not born again. Because every son he receives, he does what? Chastens and corrects. And if you be without that, you're illegitimate. So I wouldn't go around bragging about living loose. <laughs> Would you? I'd want to get my heart saved. See, when you get saved, you don't want to sin. That's true. God takes out the stony heart, puts a teachable heart. Every one of us that are born again have had a heart transplant. Ezekiel said, I take out the stony heart and give you a soft, teachable heart that's compatible with my willing ways. Well, that's good. Here we are with the grass again. Eh. Well, every year this amuses me. I don't believe it's grown an inch. <laughs> like a lot of Christians. There's the problem. It ain't got no root. You see what I'm talking about? Every year this has been the same. I don't know how the church can uh, allow things. We're the only group I know that believes that uh, a lack of growth is okay. I mean, you know, we, my oldest son is 53 now. I remember when we carried him back there and put him in the crib. Little thing about that long. And now, if you go back there 17 years and he's still back there in the crib, something ain't right. That boy's got a problem. But see, the church just, you know, we're kind of okay with a lack of growth. Oh, the problem is no root. You see it? 
Well, anyway, it's nice decoration, though, isn't it? <laughs> well, I've got some peat moss here. <laughs> I have messed up the decor. Is that? That's okay. Landscaping. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do y'all understand what we're trying to say? God, God don't want us just to be window dressing. He wants fruit. You can't have fruit without root. You believe that? But one of the reasons is, ah, we're so rebellious. I don't like this church. I'm moving down the street. Now, what if I had me a little, I want to plant a, a little peach tree. And I carry it out there and I put it on this corner of the yard. And then I go, no, I think it'd be better over here. And then the next year I go, nah, over here. Guess what's I'm going to have pretty soon? A stick. Because I never gave it time to have root. See, a lot of people jump church to church, church, because they don't want responsibility. Okay, or accountability. Is this true? Let's see, it's no sense going to the doctor now if you've got a broke arm. He goes, your ear is fine. Yeah. I like to tell the truth about the truth, don't you? But, uh, you know, the, the truth sets people free. Did you read that? Here's what it says. It says, whom the sun... I'm screaming again. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. If you've got any lawyers, get them to look up the, the Greek word indeed. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. It's a lawyer term in the Greek. It means irrevocable, unrescindable. Whom the sun sets free. Wow. I like that, don't you? Yeah, free indeed. How do you get free indeed? You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We've got to operate in the truth. We've, not, we've got to move past just hearing. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, The kingdom doesn't consist with mere words, but demonstrated deeds. And now listen, James 1.22 says, Don't be just a mere hearer, but an active doer of the word. Okay? Hear it to the point of action. Isn't it Job? Yes, it is. It's Job. Oh, Jesus came to me once. He said, Bobby, suppose you missed the message of the book of Job. Instantly I knew I had. <laughs> he said, see, when you preach about Job, most people we preach about bitter betrayal, calamities, chaos. God said, that's not the message of the book of Job. The whole message about the book of Job is Job chapter 1 and the last chapter, the goodness of God. He started out the richest man, ended up seven times more. Wow. See? See, if I announce, well, I'm preaching on Job. Uh, people go, oh, listen, I've had enough of that bitter betrayal in our earthquake. No. The goodness of God. God loves to restore. Joel, Joel says, I, God screamed out in Joel, I will restore all the years a canker worm is consumed. Aren't you glad that the Lord can make the devil give back to you? Yeah. There's a strange thing going on right now in our ministry. People are finding money. The Lord says, start announcing. People are going to start finding money. They'll find it in their pockets, in their purses, in their wallets, in their briefcase, in their banking account, in their coat pocket. And people, right in the middle of the meeting, people jump up with a handful of 20s and start screaming. I'm telling you, you can't imagine the testimonies we've got about that. God just said money's going to start showing up. I told you about the shepherd's rod this time, didn't I? I'd walk around and change would fall. I'd be, I'd be set at my desk, change would fall. I got a stack of change. I'd, I'd be walking down the airport terminal, change would fall. I'd be setting, change would fall. Finally, I go, God, what's this about? 
He said, I want you to go and announce to the body of Christ, change is in the air. And he said, you're spiritual. Tomorrow will not look like you're today. We're moving from glory to what? Glory. I like progression, don't you? Not stagnation. What time we got to quit? Just whenever we're getting ready. What time is lunch? No. (sighs) Now listen, I bought my own shirt. My wife, maybe she she might be watching live stream or whatever. I used to could get by with anything till the grandkids showed her how to live stream. And she'll say, I can't believe you wore that with this, you know. But I bought my own shirt. She she said, what is that? I said, I like this shirt. She said, it looks like an exaggerated checkerboard, you know. That don't look like an exaggerated, you know, it just, I don't know. Anyway, that C, you know. And then I bought one, and she said, it looks like the cover for a Volkswagen. I I ought to have a talk with the shirt companies. You know, they make these Tuckham or whatever you call it. I'm tired of you making shirts just for the cut chisel guys. Look at us. Get us us some nice-looking shirt. All right? Now, I'm I'm demanding they start giving us... You know, they, they could do something. They could get one. What do you call that thing? They put on like a girdle and women used to wear. You know? Yeah. We could come out. They could come out with a shirt like that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I like how God does this stuff. One time, I walk around while I'm preaching. I walked by a lady and I said, what do you do? And she got nervous. And she goes, uh-uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a CEO. I said, oh, you're CEO. What are you CEO of? You know, I just punched at her. And she said, <clears throat> card company. I said, oh, you're CEO of a card company? She said, yes. She's really nervous now, kind of red. I said, what kind of a card company? She said, oh, the kind that if you care to send the best. Then so this entrepreneurial thing came up on me. I said, listen, if I was a CEO of a card company, you know what kind of card I'd make? She goes, no. I said, I'd make a card that just had one front to it, just the, fly, the front cover would say, gee, G with an exclamation point. G! And you could open it. G! I'm sorry Fred's dead. That's a sympathy card. G! I'm glad you graduated. G! I'm glad you're feeling better. Do you see the mystique of that? You never know what it is to open it. So you know it's a sympathy card if you pick it up and it's got some flowers and, you know, some glad morning. You know. But do you see the mystique of that? And people that looked at like, like you, an idiot. <laughs> About four weeks later, a, a UPS truck backed up to our office. Guess what they're unloading? G-cards. Wow. See, can you see the mystique of that? You get a card, you go, hmm, G, congratulations. But see, I like stuff that just kind of steps away from the normal. Don't you? We ought to be abnormal normal. See, you understand we're aliens and pilgrims here. This world ain't our home. We ought to be living in this world. Start looking at things from this perspective instead of this one. Jesus said, man's heart's failing them for the things they see coming upon the earth. But if you lift your vision higher, look to him. They looked at him and their faces were what? Enlightened. 
I like that that 2 Corinthians 3.18 would go from one dimension of glory to the next. This thing has to be progressional, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, you know. Nope. You are to purpose to live closer to Jesus tomorrow than you are today. Steadily growing and increasing in the knowledge of God, don't you think? What do you do? Construction. Construction? What kind of construction? Just anything for the home. Anything for the home. We built a home, and uh, I drove one nail in it, and I'm, they don't think it's in the right place. You know? <laughs> Did I tell you about one time I had a, a old Ronnie Hawkham? We had a, had a, a house builder, and we, they, we, I, the, my wife wanted to get up in the attic and put some uh, boards in the attic to store stuff. So this guy came, and he's a, a good old country boy, and he had a, he's up in the attic, and I'm there to help. Oh, I'm there to help. And so he's up there in that little crow's nest thing. He hollers, hey, Bobby, yeah, hand me the nail gun, huh? Now, I know guns. He hollered, hand me the nail gun. I said, what does it look like? He said, it's that thing hissing on the end of the hose. I said, okay. Now, he didn't tell me. Have you ever picked up a nail gun? It starts shooting when he's got the, you know, and I'm talking about nails this big to go through two by sixes. Good Lord. He hollered, put it down. (laughs) Yeah. All right. But see, that's, you know, they're forceful. They'll drop. And I thought, oh man, I could have been playing with this thing. But anyway, so anyway, I'm just going to tell you something. Uh, God gave me plans for uh, building hotels that are uh, impervious to earthquakes and hurricanes. So that'll be good if you know anybody that's in the architectural business. Anyway, you believe that God is releasing new ways to do old things? God is releasing new ways to do old things. Anything that's been done once, there's a better way to do it. If you think I'm wrong, ask the guy that does frog tape. Have you heard of frog tape? He was running a piece of blue tape, and he heard me say, "There's a God's releasing new ways of doing old things. He goes, huh? He said, I heard your voice saying, God's releasing new ways to do old things. He said, are you talking to me? God said, yes, I am. He gets down off the ladder. God gives him a formula for frog tape. It's in every paint store you can find in America right now. Outsells blue tape and all the others put together. Isn't that something? Yes. The Bible says, trust the Lord, you'll be established, believe his prophets, and you'll prosper. Second Chronicles 20, 12. Trust the Lord, you will be established, believe his prophets, and you'll prosper. Matthew 10, 41 says, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll get a prophet's reward. What the heck is that? What is a prophet's reward? It's the deepest desire of your heart granted to you by the power of God. You might say, where is that at? It's 2 Kings chapter 4. The Shunammite woman, remember that? Yeah, she received a prophet. Yeah, you're doing better, aren't you? Yeah. I want to dance with you. Get up. <laughs> It'll be all right. Yeah, your backbone will get stronger. You want that? I sure you do. This will be nice. Good. All right. This little dance has released something that makes your bones wax fat. That's health and strength. You can look it up in the Bible. Your bones will wax fat. That's where strength and health comes from. Okay. And your bones will be good and strong. That'll be good. You like dancing, don't you? I was watching you. Uh, you know, 
I try to bust a move myself. What's that one they do like this? Yeah. But God, God apparently likes dancing. Remember David? Now David's wife was not too excited about it, but what happened to her? Stricken with barrenness. Same thing that happens in churches that mock praise today. They're stricken with barrenness, incapable of reproducing. Yeah, David, David danced with all of his might, well, didn't he? So that was nice. When I was growing up, well, I'm still growing out, but uh, uh, we used to go uh, dancing. Back then it was a twist, chubby checker, you know, come on. But we didn't. Here we dance a while, drink a while, fight a while, puke a while, and then here come the police. <laughs> that was our Saturday night uh, out and on the town. Yeah. When I first started preaching, the first few rows would be policemen. That's the honest to God truth. The guy that bought me my first preaching suit was Judge Winston Reagan, the guy who used to lock me up. He came to me afterwards. He said, you know why I did that? And I said, no, sir. He said, no, I'm a Methodist, and Methodists don't talk like this. He said, a voice came to me. And told him to buy me a preaching suit. Isn't that crazy? See, it doesn't hardly matter how you start, it's how you finish. He that's begun a good work in you will continue it. See, listen, I'm telling you, I got, I'm, I'm living proof. If God will use me, you got a shot. I really mean that. He will, listen, we, we were in and out of everything you could imagine. Ooh, and then some stuff you couldn't even start to imagine. <laughs> I don't want to get there, you know. Yeah, okay. You say, well, what, what, what does God want to do with me today? Number one, he wants you to not stagnate. He wants you to push through. Paul said, I've not yet apprehended that for which I was apprehended for. Wow. If anybody could say I've not reached it yet, it wouldn't be Paul. He started most of the New Testament churches, wrote the biggest part of the New Testament. And he said, I've not even apprehended. I've not even laid hold of what I was captured for. Wow. See, don't ever, I've never met anybody who goes, well, I got all of God I want. The more you get, the more you realize I barely know him. Yeah. Don't, he, he's endless, isn't he? I dare you to get you a secret place in your house and meet with him every day. You'll watch your life transform before your very eyes. Matthew 6, 6. Matthew 6, 6 says this. says, when you pray, enter into the quietest room in your house and shut the door. Wow. We are a generation that despises silence. We can't have it. We're going to put something on. We're going to click something in. Psalms 46, 10, 11 says, be still and comprehend and know that I'm God. We got to unplug, hadn't we? To get plugged. Spend time. I started quoting a while ago, and I did in Job 22, 21. Job 22, 21 says, Acquaint now thyself with God, and things will turn around. You want to turn around your life? Get to know God. How do you get to know somebody? Number one, you introduce yourself. Then you begin to dialogue. We need to spend time, is what I'm saying. Psalms 46, 10, 11, Be still and know that I am God. Any benefit to knowing God? Daniel 11.32b. Daniel 11.32b says, But the people that do know their God will display strength and they will take action. See, the devil knows that verse too. 
So one of his number one deals is to kind of try to keep us from knowing God. Be confused, and he does it by giving us stinking thinking. So here's the, here's, here's the antidote for stinking thinking. You ready? Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. I'm into sign language now. Revelations 1, 5 and 6. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us to be priests and kings. Your Bible says uh, the word of a king has what? Authoritative power. And it says a priest settles conflicts. So we are to operate in that ministry, the priestly, kingly ministry. A king's word has power, and priests settle confusion and, and arguments. Well, anyway, so we already know that we're supposed to be what? Kings and what? Priests. Priest. Then here's, and then I'll, I'll, get, I'll, I'll stop with this one. We're 2 Corinthians 5.20. I talked to this gentleman. He's listening. So what's your golf score now? <laughs> it's not three strikes and you're out, you know. Did you know I hit a sandwich 218 yards? Tiger Woods can't do that, but I thought I was hitting a five iron. No, it was a, it was a fluke. I was 218 yards from the green, and I, I had suntan lotion on, and I'd sweated, and it got down my eyes. And so I thought I was pulling out a five iron, and I pulled out a sandwich. And my partner said, can you hit that that far? I go, yeah. I thought he was challenging my manhood. And I swacked that thing, and it goes up in there, and, and it went. And he said, when it hit the ground and wobbled up there on the green, he said, I'd have never dreamed you could hit a sandwich. 200, and it was 218 yards. I go, sandwich! And it, it, the S had, uh, it was an S instead of a five. But see, see, I thought I could, so I could. I should be, you know. No, I shouldn't be. I, I knocked a hole in a garage door with a golf ball, and I killed a swan. Did I tell you that? <laughs> Yeah, a lawyer carried me. Yeah, this will get. A lawyer carried me out to play golf at, at a country club. And boy, Heidi, did, have, I, have I told you this story? Y'all got time? You know, we'll we'll go eat in a minute. I, a, a lawyer carried me out to a real prestigious country club there, and so the lawyer he'd been chatting me up, just talking like a parrot, man. And I, I'm out there to play golf, and so we get to the signature hole, and it's the black swan hole. And they have black swan living on the lake. So I can swing a golf club 126 miles an hour, the computer says. So I teed my ball up. And the, there's, there's the, all, for all these holes, uh, the guy's just been talking like that. So I get all ready. And, you know, I don't like these guys that get up there and they, they do a wardrobe, you know. <laughs> Hit the ball! That, you, you know, so I just stick her down there and let her rip. So I struck her down there and I go, whack! And just as soon as the ball connected with the club, there comes the black swan. He comes up, up the thing and he's, now I'm just going to be honest, he's trying to make a eunuch out of me. He's got his head out like that and he's hissing. He's going, whack, boom! The ball hits him right here. 126 miles an hour. Killed him dead as a hammer. Black swan. All right. The lawyer, the lawyer goes, eh, we in trouble. I go, you're the member here. 
You had more sense than bringing me. That's what I thought. Here comes the marshal with, with the yellow flag on his cart. He pulls up there. Now, remember, all the holes, the lawyer's been talking like a parakeet, man. We get there, and you think he's grown mute. The marshal goes, uh, we got a problem here. I figured the lawyer would go, well, there was an accident with the swan, but he's mute. So I said to the marshal, well, we could have. I said, if hitting that swan with a ball is a problem, we got a big one. There he is. And see, the ball hit him right here, and he's dead. So I thought, well, hmm, there'll be a fine over this, and they'll probably dismantle this guy's membership. And so the marshal walked over there with me to retrieve the dead corpse of the swan. And as he bent over to get him and put him in a box, he said to me, there's another in here. I wish to God you could get in. <laughs> I thought they were going to give me the key to the course. Yeah, but that's true. So that's why you need to be careful carrying me. Yeah, it's really true. I, I, I'm not very good, but I'm real competitive. Honestly. That's right. Anyway, I enjoy sports. I enjoy hunting. And I'm not much into cooking and needling, but uh, I, I like stuff. Don't you like stuff? I want you to start enjoying life. Remember how we started this thing? Psalms 118, verse 23 and 4. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. You know why? It's the only one we're guaranteed. All the money in the world can't buy back yesterday. It's history. Your Bible said, boast not yourself of tomorrow. You don't have a comprehension of what one day will bring. This is the day. We need to learn how to maximize the now. Don't you think? Jesus did. Yeah. Let me write. So, oh, you write so nice. When I get writing, it looks like tongues. I'll write you a nice verse, okay? Okay, it's a nice verse. You do that for a few days, it'll change the whole deal. Yeah, that's right. So we got to go now. I want to pray for you. Now here's what God told me, and he won't lie to me. He said, Bobby, that's me. Go where I tell you to go, Zion, Illinois. Not Zion, Illinois. <laughs> I went to Zion, Illinois to find out about uh, John, not John G. Lake, but uh, Alexander Dowie. Went to his house. Remember, they tried to blow him up at his desk. All of his journals was in his closet. Nobody there to guard him. Said, you can take them with you if you want to. I said, no, no. Because I'd go, where'd them, where'd them journals go? You know, isn't it crazy? But anyway, he said, Bobby, go where I tell you to go. Do what I tell you when I, you get there. I'll give the people whether they wanted or not an impartation from Hebrews 20, uh, Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. I said, okay, go where I'm supposed to go. Do what I'm supposed to do when I get there. You'll give them with an anointing out of Hebrews 13, 20, and 21, whether they want it or not. I said, God, how can I tell them they'll get it whether they want it or not? He said, you can get around somebody that's contagious, and you can be infected. So you're going to get an impartation from Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. That verse says, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, the Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the everlasting, never-failing covenant, make you perfect, give you everything you need to accomplish the task you're sent to do. Look at the word make you perfect. The Greek word means missing no component. Ties right in with Colossians 2, 10. Everything we need is in Christ and everything Christ is is in us. Wow. See? 
It all ties together. And you got in at two something this morning? Oh, boy. I know the feeling. Wow. But isn't it a great time to be alive? God's raising the dead. See, the greatest miracle you'll ever see is not a dead person getting raised. It's a person getting saved. The other is, yeah, the other is wonderful. But seeing, it says there's joy in heaven, in God's presence, and the holy angels over what? One sinner that repents. We've got to get back to the main thing, hadn't we? Telling people about Jesus. You say, ah, they don't want to hear it. No, they don't want to hear about new, some new whiz thing down at church. They want to know, can Jesus step in and bring my husband back? Can he get my kids off of dope? Yeah, he can. Anything he did then, he does now. Hebrews 13, 8. He's the what? Same. Wow, I'm glad. <laughs> he goes, he won't leave me alone. I'm, I'm, I've harassed him every time I come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I you know, I'm just tenacious like a bulldog. Yeah. One time, that's what the football coach told me one time I didn't know what he said one thing about Connor he's got tenacity I didn't know what I had I thought I thought something had failed me or something you know I didn't know what the word tenacity meant yeah uh, yeah yeah but I want you to enjoy what you do if you don't enjoy it quit yeah I mean just life's too short to be miserable enjoy see some people have just enough Jesus to be miserable. They got him in the head but not the heart. They got a whole list of rituals but no relationship. In his presence is what? Psalm 1611. Yeah, at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's good. Yeah, all right. Okay, some of you say, oh, I want a prophetic word. Oh, grow up. <laughs> God said, I wish all of God's people were prophets. That's what Moses said. And he, that you all may prophesy. Is that what it says? Yeah. So, and if you prophesy to people, you ought to encourage them, edify them, strengthen them. Well, you say, well, how do you do that? Well, just find something good from the Bible and share it with them. Yeah. Yeah. One time, a world-famous evangelist, the Lord said, I have a word for his wife. I said, Okay. They're up in the room, and I'm down in a hotel where they wear the white gloves and a hat, a swanky hotel. He said, I've got a word for this, this man. You've heard, everybody in here has seen him on TV a thousand times. And so anyway, he said, I want you to give her the word the moment you see her. I said, okay. So he gave me the word, and I was, I was actually disappointed. I thought it'd be some big, long, mega word about this long. It was the most simple word you could imagine. And I, I, I said, God, is that it? He said, Don't, that's it. So anyway, uh, they were, were fixing to go to a civic center. And so anyway, the, they come down out of the elevator and walks over there to where I'm at. And I said to the man, I said, sir, I have a word for your wife. And uh, he said, oh, Bobby, anything you have, share it. So I looked her straight in the face and said exactly what the Lord said. Here's what, I, here's what he said. When you see her, look her straight in the eyes and say to her, yes, God dearly loves you. When he gave me the word, I thought, good Lord, she knows that. Or they travel all over the world. He said, if you tell her anything else, it won't be me. She gets there, 
and I look her right in the eyes and I say, yes, God dearly loves you. She screams at the top of her voice. She falls to the floor in this swanky hotel and she's screaming and gasping. It is, it is it's ragingly wild. She gets up and finally catches her composure and here's what she said. She said, less than 30 minutes ago, we were in the room. We were preparing to come down and she said, I walked into where my husband was getting dressed and said to him, Honey, I know that God loves you and he uses you all over the world, but I'm not sure he loves me. Down the elevator, walks right up, and the simplest word was what she needed at that moment. Do you see what we're talking about? You don't have to come up with some magnanimous thing. Just say what God says. That's what Jesus did. I only say what I hear my father saying. I only do what I see my father doing. Let's have that synchronization between what he says and what we do. Okay? It'll work. Anything else? I want to pray for you now. You believe in impartation, don't you? Yeah. Romans 1, 11 said, I yearn to be with you that I might impart to you a spiritual enabling. That's Romans 1, 11. Romans 1, 12 said, it'll be good for both of us. That's it. So, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we release for these men and women here and those that watch by media, we release for them an anointing to retain and maintain the Word of God within their heart and their mind. Lord, I want to thank you that you'll give them retention of the Scriptures, that it won't just fade away from them, but you will put your hand upon the Word of God inside of their heart and cause it to flourish. And, Lord, you said the Holy Spirit will bring up to our remembrance the things that you've taught us. So we release that anointing upon them not to forget the Word of God, but they'll be able to memorize it, they'll be able to quote it, they'll be able to meditate upon it, and I thank you that the Word of God will transform our lives. We thank you for who you are and how you are. We, are, we want to be more like you, Jesus. So cut away from us, winnow off of us anything that's chaff, anything that's uh, the husk. We want the genuine. We want to be the heart of the matter and the matter of the heart. In Jesus' name. Now I'm going to be signing books.